Hello, welcome to a new podcast for The Lancet. My name is Marianne Ganot. I am The Lancet's World Report editor. And today I am interviewing the writer of a world report that's appearing in this week's issue, entitled From Ireland to Northern Ireland, Campaigns for Abortion. Angel, hi, thank you for being with us. Hi, Marianne, my name is Angel Lee and I'm a freelance science writer and documentary filmmaker. So Angel, we actually started discussing the topic of this world report because I saw you on a video that was showed on the Rachel Maddow show on MSNBC. It was a video of you getting off the plane uh, and being greeted at the Dublin airport by a line of women carrying repeal the eighth signs, welcome home, thank you for being here. And the atmosphere was just electric. So can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing on that plane? I was actually on the way back to Dublin to support the um, repeal side. So I was on this plane going back to Dublin um, because as an Irish woman, I felt it was very important for me to be back home and supporting everyone uh, in the repeal the 8th referendum. So I went back to uh, witness this event and to uh, report as well. In the airport, I happened to meet two women who were volunteers for the London Irish Abortion Rights Campaign. And they were handing out badges. They were spreading the word about this home to vote campaign. And in the airport, as we were heading towards the gate, a lot of people joined our group and we kind of recognised each other. We were all going home for the same reason. It was really exciting. It just felt like none of us had met each other before. There were people wearing these black repeal jumpers. Honestly, I wasn't expecting the support that we were greeted with at the airport in Dublin. And when we got off the plane, we were greeted by the repeal the 8th campaign. It was just so emotional because... It was unexpected. And they were just celebrating and saying thank you to the fact that we had returned and, and we're showing them support and they were showing support back. So Ireland held a referendum on the 25th of May to reform what is the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution, which effectively bans abortion. Can you tell us a little bit about that amendment and what, the, what it meant to the Irish people? You know, since then, uh, it's sort of stigmatized um, women who did, you know, become pregnant and, and maybe uh, had unwanted pregnancies or uh, and really made it sort of a sensitive issue. So um, a lot of women then throughout the years since the Eighth Amendment was brought in um, were secretly having abortions, either traveling to the UK or sort of having backstreet abortions, you know, back in the 80s and, and 90s. And it was just a really dangerous situation and, and there wasn't a lot of freedom to talk about it. There was a lot of secrecy, there was a lot of stigma. And I think repealing it, what that means is that women no longer have, have to feel ashamed for um, unwanted pregnancies. Even in situations of fatal fetal abnormality, yeah, there was just a huge sense of um, shame, I guess. So during your reporting of this piece, you spoke to Grace Willens of the Abortion Rights Campaign. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about you know, what she told you? She has been involved um, with activism with the Abortion Rights Campaign and um, trying to repeal the 8th for years. And uh, she told me all about the uh, grassroots networks that they've built over the years in every county and every town. Um, and these are just ordinary people who care about this issue and have gone from door to door explaining to people in a in a calm and factual way what this is all about and um, 
you know, she thought it was very important that they stayed calm and she thought that was probably what contributed to, you know, the success of the campaign as well. Because when the abortion, uh, the Eighth Amendment was first brought in in 1983, she says that at the time the campaigns then were quite combative and she didn't want that um, or the organisations didn't want that to be the case uh, this time. I was speaking to Grace and she said this. The, the real success of the of the Yes campaign, we found, came down to a few different things. One was the fact that we based our campaign on facts and evidence and honesty. So there, were, there was a lot of misinformation floating around during the campaign, particularly from our opponents um, who looked at, who kind of tried to pick apart and, and misrepresent um, what the the solution the government was proposing if 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 repeal was to be successful, um, so these myths like saying that abortion would be legalized up to six months that 's not what the legislation says at all um, that if we were to legalize abortion in Ireland that people with Down syndrome would be eradicated it 's just simply not true spreading misinformation about what 's been the experience on the ground in other countries. Um, so we really sought to speak to the highest in people um, and to give them the evidence and then the space to decide for themselves. We, we know that the campaign in 1983, when the Eighth Amendment was inserted, uh, was extremely combative and divided communities and families. Um, and, and while this is a very emotive issue, we thought that by keeping the tone calm and non-combative, um, it would help to give people the space to make up their own minds and we would also be rising above any any scare tactics. So you went you went back during the referendum. What was the energy like in Ireland? When I went back, the energy was just um, incredible because there was a lot, a lot of excitement, which was something that I guess um, wasn't quite expecting. Um, but it was similar to the the marriage equality referendum three years ago. Uh, there was a lot of excitement among young people and among students because there was such a atmosphere for change and young people were really you know up in arms and um, trying to get as much uh, momentum going as possible so that was the atmosphere um, back in Dublin and I just remember um, having people on Twitter on Facebook uh, the night before constantly posting things messaging each other and saying um, don't forget this when you go vote tomorrow and don't wear your um, your badges, don't wear your repeal jumpers to the polling station because that was a thing that, you know, you're not you're not allowed to, to kind of advocate what you're voting for when you go to the polling stations. So there was a lot of reminding people um, what to do, what not to do, just to make sure that every vote is, every vote counts and people offering to drive each other to polling stations if they didn't have a lift just constant reminders of, of the change that they wanted to make. And I thought that was um, incredible. But this is, it, it's kind of a turning point for Ireland, isn't it? It's like the first step towards this idea of a new dynamic Ireland that, um, that we're seeing coming out of the country at this time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, in the age of Brexit and Trump, and um, this was what actually, um, when we were on the plane, we we spoke about this because we had, our group had a lot of anxiety about the results um, that, uh, you know, that were going to come out. We were, we didn't want to just expect that we were going to win this um, because we knew that nowadays you can't really say anything for sure. Even up until 
the moments when the um, the exit polls were coming out, and it was say it was in favour of uh, the repealing the Eighth Amendment. People still couldn't believe it, and they said, "No, you know what? We're going to wait till the actual results come out because I don't I don't want to be let down." Basically, so I think it is a momentous change for people in Ireland and when we were trying to predict what was going to happen, even when we did think that we might win this, we thought it might have been by a small margin, but of course it was it was a landslide. How much was the landslide by? 66.4% for yes and 33.6% for no. Um, and that's pretty huge. A signifier of new times for Ireland, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the next step for Ireland after this referendum? bring in the new bill as soon as possible and the the members of parliament are you know even they're thinking of sitting during the summer recess and um, just try and get that bill um, out there um, probably by early next year yeah just basically try and get that out as soon as possible so that women can actually have access to abortions in Ireland because obviously as the bill isn't um, out they're still traveling to the UK for abortions every day. Or ordering pills or ordering, online. Yeah, exactly. Um, and taking them in uncontrolled medical situations, yeah. I assume. I see that there are people that are already challenging the decision. The High Court is to hear three separate applications from people seeking permission to bring legal challenges to the result of the referendum on the Eighth Amendment, and that these applications seeking to leave to bring judicial review proceedings will be heard on the 26th of June said RTE on Monday the 11th of June. Of course, a third of people still um, voted no, and we can't really expect immediate adaptation to these changes because it is such a divisive issue, it always has been. The world is automatically looking to Northern Ireland, which still has some very repressive laws surrounding abortion, especially when compared to other laws in the European countries. The problem is that in the UK, it is still a crime to get an abortion under the 1861 Offences Against the Person Act. However, the UK passed in 1967 the Abortion Act that gave doctors in the UK legal consent to provide abortion, but that act was never extended to Northern Ireland. Um, So I spoke with Bernadette Smith, who is the founder of um, Precious Life and um, Youth for Life, the anti-abortion organisations in Northern Ireland. And her view is that the current laws should stay in Northern Ireland because they protect both the life of the the woman and the unborn child. As far as our own um, government here in Northern Ireland, and particularly um, the DUP, who would be the largest uh, elected political party, they have made it clear that the referendum results should not affect democracy here. We shouldn't have to change laws because another country decided to change change the law. So from that point of view, we're doing our very best as as we can without Stormont. It would be a tragedy if, if Stormont or if Westminster uh, ignored the democratic process and you know voted or brought forward um, a vote. Uh, in Westminster to extend abortion here. There is a, a move towards change. So you report that leader of Sinn Féin party in Northern Ireland, Michelle O'Neill, thinks that the Supreme Court's judgment makes it clear that there there's a need to modernize abortion laws in the North. So that's actually um, quite a, a strong endorsement. Absolutely. Um, and of course, um, 
as leader of her party, she's um, her opinions are quite quite strong on this. She feels that there needs to be change, and she mentioned in this BBC interview that first of all, Westminster needs to repeal the articles of the um, 1861 Offences Against the Person Act, um, and then perhaps um, Northern Ireland can have um, debates on. On this issue. And there's a lot happening in Westminster as well. Um, so there's been a debate recently? Yep, on Tuesday the 5th of June there was a debate, an uh, emergency debate brought forth by Stella Creasy who is um, a Labour Party backbencher and she um, suggests that Articles 58 and 59 of the 1861 Offences Against the Person Act must be repealed. It was it was quite a controversial debate because um, people did argue that if you did repeal these articles, then there would be um, a leg- legislative vacuum in Northern Ireland, um, where there is currently no active um, devolved parliament to bring in an, an immediate bill to remedy the situation. But of course, there's been cross-party support within Westminster to legislate um, and repeal the um, abortion laws in Northern Ireland. You spoke with Amnesty UK's campaign manager for Northern Ireland, and she uh, she mentioned to you how this change in legislation could possibly take place quite soon. Yes, so I spoke with uh, Grania Taggart, and um, she suggested that um, action must happen um, quite quickly while there is momentum. Grania mentioned that they will continue to work at Westminster to grow the cross-party support for change. Grania mentioned to me that they will use the forthcoming domestic abuse bill uh, as a vehicle to bring about amendments to abortion laws. All eyes are firmly on Theresa May and her government. Theresa May can no longer sit back and do nothing whilst women in Northern Ireland continue to suffer on her watch and under extremely restrictive abortion laws which make abortion illegal in almost every circumstance. The law in Northern Ireland carries the harshest criminal penalties in Europe. That grim distinction should have been a wake-up call to Theresa May and others a long time ago, but we are now in a position where we see support from within Theresa May's cabinet and across parties at Westminster to change the law in Northern Ireland. There is a clear way forward now at Westminster with the domestic abuse bill. It is a vehicle that we plan to use to bring about amendments, legislative amendments for abortion reform in Northern Ireland. So we are calling on Theresa May and the Home Secretary, Sajid Yavid, to commit to a time frame for that bill and allow this change to pass. After having reported on this and researched this extensively, how likely do you think it is that Northern Ireland is going to change its laws? We're definitely seeing a push for change, and women in Southern Ireland are definitely going to help um, the women in Northern Ireland and stand with them. And um, we're already seeing that happening um, because on Sunday, the 10th of June, there was the Processions uh, 2018, which um, celebrated 100 years of women's suffrage. The women went up to Northern Ireland to march in the processions and to campaign for abortion rights in Northern Ireland along with the women of Northern Ireland. 
Okay, so definitely a space to watch. Uh, Angel Lee, uh, you came here talking as our reporter and as an Irish woman. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me.